Richards Bowie Versus Tillian Is this year when I'm glowy Am I killing? I hope it's not a blowy Or a villain It's time for Bowie versus Dillian. Welcome once again to Bowie versus Dylan. I'm Charlie, and I like Bowie. And I'm Jake, and I love Dylan. This week we are this week this episode doesn't come out every week. So that doesn't make any sense. This episode we're taking an in-depth look at that year of all years. 2010. Woo! Uh, before we dive into it, as always, and I remind you, we have a variety of different locations. You can take a listen to this podcast, so whichever one you prefer, you go for it. Pick your poison. Uh, we got iTunes. We got Google Play. We got Spotify. We got Podbean, which is our host also. We got Thanks, Stitcher. Podbean. We got TuneIn. We got Blueberry. Blueberry. And we got Player FM. We are also on Facebook and Twitter. Uh-huh. Full of all kinds, well, Facebook in particular, all kinds of extra, like, comments and stuff from the two of us, in case you're into that kind of thing. You are. And, of course, check out www.bowieversusdylan.com. That's versus spelled just V-S, or just do a search for Bowie versus Dylan. I have a feeling you'll find us for our actual website. We've got bonus uh, bonus blog posts all over the place at this mm. point on there. There's mm. quite a few of them up there at this point. So... You're looking at more material from the two of us about Bowie and Dylan, who is better. Check out our website. With that, I'm going to hand things over to you, Jake, to not talk about 2010 quite yet. Hi, Chaz. Is that right? It's that good right? Yeah. to hear from you today. I want to talk about not 2010. And I want to just. That makes so much sense in our 2010. Absolutely. So. Thank you for introducing the year. We're not going to be talking about that just yet. What I am going to be talking about is a new segment that I have developed. Uh, you and I have talked off the air a few times about maybe injecting like a little extra bonus podcast content on years that are really slow. And I, 2010 is kind of a slow year. Not a lot happen. And uh, I have not had a super slow year for Dylan yet. He always seems to squeeze something in um, of note, and there's just not really much of note. There's a few things, which I'll get to later, uh, but I thought this was a good opportunity to create a new segment looking at the year's after he was a professional, but before Bowie showed up on the scene. So roughly like 1959 to 1963. How's that sound to you? Sounds Sounds like, right? You know, good years in which Bowie was in school. That's right. Just being he a was, kid. He was a lad, pretty much. He was a, a lad. He was a lad. And uh, actually Dylan pretty much was too, except he was somehow embarking on an, an incredible professional career already. There were a lot, there were a lot less mix at, at that time for, for uh, Dylan than there were for... Bowie. Almost no mix, I'm going to say. Oh, no, I'm going to say like 0.1% mix <laughs> per capita. All right, so give us a All right, so, Bowie. Should we call the new feature Before Bowie? Well, I have a game. It alliterates. That sounds like a good name for a feature. I have a game for you to play, Chaz. Here, okay. live, on air, on this <laughs> podcast, yeah, I, have, I have nine choices for the name of this, of this segment for you. Oh, and whoa. you're going to get to choose it. Can I choose before Bowie? No, and but that, the other, oh, okay. that's that's just too reductive. I worked way too hard on these. So <laughs> Alright, go, let's hear All right, it. Alright, you're you're okay, so here they are. Number one, Dilanthropy. <laughs> that's terrible. Go on. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Number two, Bob's bits. 
Bits. Bob's Bits. That sounds vaguely dirty. Go on. Absolutely. Number three, Bob's Back Pages, which refers to one of his uh, great songs, My Back Pages, which it's too obvious. Okay. Don't pick that one. Okay. Number five is a split. You can choose it uh, either way. It's either Bob's Bula Bass or Bob's Boujolet, because that's his favorite one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Um, number, uh, what are we on? Number six, Delancers. What do you think of that one? That's also terrible. These are great. Okay. Number seven, Bob Bunyan. Seeing as how Bob he's... Bob Bunyan? Yeah, he's from... <laughs> <laughs> He's from like, Minnesota. I'm from Minnesota, so am I. You don't call me Bunyan. <laughs> well, like Paul Bunyan, you know, he's legendary. Well, you know, like, I know who Paul Bunyan is. Everyone knows who Paul Bunyan, especially in Minnesota. Yeah, but 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 Robert Zimmerman's from Minnesota. This is my point. <laughs> okay, go on. That one's not making it, for sure. All right, so straight to the top for Bob Bunyan. Okay, <laughs> number, <laughs> number eight. You're going to like this one because you almost got it. This is... Um, this is the acronym AZBB, which I think is an ACDC reference, but I'm not sure. It stands for <laughs> After Zimmerman, Before Bowie. What do you think of that one? Okay, AZBB. Okay. All right, here's, here's one. Um, it's called What's the Beef with Bob? <laughs> <laughs> okay, and my last, my last one. This is a mouthful, but this is my favorite. I hope you choose it, but it sounds like you're not loving my puns. So, this is my. <laughs> this is this, bad puns. I'm not against puns. But this is the puns you've suggested. Come so on, far. there are no good puns. All right. Number. This is the last one. Do diligence. Do diligence. You know, like due oh. diligence, except. This is barely even making me. Like, I don't think people even know what that means when we're saying yeah, it. Yeah, but. All right, I'm going to go with. If you need me to read any more of them, you know, back to you. I yeah, totally no, I'm can. good. I'll just think. <laughs> I mean, besides, I, I had expanded out before Bowie to Bob before Bowie, and we got a triple alliteration. A on triple that one, B. Okay. It sounds like it sounds like you want one of them that you actually. Yeah, well, you I actually worked. Came I, up with. I worked really hard on them, Chase. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going Bob's Boulevards. Bob's Boulevards. Not not Boulevard. Bougie. Not Bougie. Bob's Bougie. Bob's Bougie. No, Bob's Boulevard. Bob's Boulevard. All right. That's the only one. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna or, call it. Or just Bob. Or just Bob before Bowie. No, sorry, can't do it. <laughs> Bob's. I. I. I gotta go with Bob's. Bob's Boulevard is fine with me, even though I can't say it. It's great. <laughs> it's all right. I couldn't say Bob's Boujolet. There, I got it this time. I just want you to know. Okay, we spent a long time talking about. No, we did have, have a heck of a segment. We spent four this. minutes on that. Are you? For the are you gonna have a Bob's heart attack? Let's four, go. Four minutes. I just want you to know that in my heart, I'm calling it due diligence. That's in my heart. That's where my heart's at. Okay. All right, so on today's inaugural episode of Bob's Bula Base, I wanted to share with you and the listeners all of the lies that Bob told about his whereabouts and origins before he got to New York City in 1960. Okay. So the, thing, the thing that people... Um, in, in all of his biographies, say about Bob is that he was very cagey about where he was from. And um, mm -hmm. he had made himself out to be sort of like this legendary character, even though he could not grow a beard or something or anything like that. Dude uh -huh. was like clearly... Unlike, he, unlike Paul Bunyan, for instance. Unlike Paul Bunyan, so fine. <laughs> Your point is taken. Bob Bunyan's <laughs> terrible, okay? 
he was clearly like 19 and he looked like 14. So, uh-huh. but he but he wouldn't tell anybody where he was from. I don't think he really told anyone that he was from Hibbing, Minnesota. It was only after uh, you know a Newsweek article in 1963 that actually invest, you know, investigated his his mm-hmm. origins and sort of quote broke the story. I mean, I don't I don't know why these people just didn't Google him. They should have just Googled. <laughs> Bob yeah, Dylan. I mean. People weren't as smart in the 90, early 1960s. No, they didn't know what they had. It was sitting right there. <laughs> okay, so I'm just gonna list. I'm just gonna list some of these. Um, these are all the things that I identified in his biographies. All the places that he said he was from, or where he had okay. been, or all where right. he had learned music uh, before before New York. Okay, uh, Oklahoma. This was quote. Yeah. He said he was quote on the poverty scene. In Oklahoma, this is when he was a, a Woody Guthrie acolyte. He wanted to seem like he was oh, actually yeah, yeah. poor he instead like of like middle class or whatever. Um, he said that he toured the country with a pianist and um, a one-hit wonder named Bobby V. V. E. E. From the Midwest, I forget what his hit was, but he told everyone yeah, that really. he, you know, he played piano with Bobby V. But he just couldn't. He just he he wanted to move past it, even though he, uh-huh. oh, yeah. he like auditioned for it one time or something. <laughs> yes, that sounds right. All right, Paris. Yeah, Paris, France. Why not? He seemed. Was, that, was anyone buying that? I don't know, but he did not Woody seem. He clearly didn't speak French or speak with a French accent. He spoke like Woody Guthrie, so probably that's not very Parisian to me. No, no, uh, I wouldn't think so. Another place is quote the West. Just, just I mean, just that, all of it. That was that one could be that one was true when you're in New York City. He I guess so. The West. He was from the West. The West. West. Well, that's true. I should cross that one off the list. Uh, another one, he said that he played with Woody Guthrie, even though he had never met Woody Guthrie, in South Dakota, yeah. Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and, yeah. quote... That was pretty close to having California. You know, all things considered. Yeah, he did have a little bit of a Dakotas thing. He said another Dakota, I think. All right, uh, I mean, They were right next to Minnesota, you know. Gallup, New Mexico came up several times for some reason. <laughs> okay. A place that I don't know it, it exists, but it's called Navasota, Texas, the town of Navasota. Navasota. <laughs> sounds like Minnesota and Navajo, That sounds I guess. like a bad pun from your list, with Navajo <laughs> and Minnesota. My puns are way better than Navasota. Uh, Chicago, Illinois. Superior, Wisconsin, which is directly across the river from Duluth, Minnesota. Right. Is that really any better? It's worse, I the thought. Hitting, I think it's worse. Minnesota? Yeah, Superior is, like, pretty dumpy, isn't it? Shouts out know, to Superior, I'm sorry. Against Superior. Quit alienating our, our fans. Uh, sorry, man. Fans superior. Uh, superior, you guys are Superior. How's that? Uh, uh, he said that he worked on a carnival in North Dakota. That's not South Dakota, but North Dakota. Uh, he said he learned some old blues from a made-up blues musician in Nashville, Tennessee. St. Louis, Missouri. Cheyenne, Wyoming. Antioch, California. And this is my favorite one. I saved it for last. Um, Bob's first great love in uh, New York was Susie Rotolo, who we talked about briefly, yeah. I'm sure, on, on previous episodes. Yeah. Um, her mom was a bit of like an aristocrat, like kind of an upper middle class aristoc- aristocrat. Um, they were in the okay. art scene and they were in the political scene and stuff like that. He somehow convinced her, and she hated him as well. It wasn't like she liked this guy. She somehow convinced him that he was an Italian orphan. 
She uh-huh. was like shocked to hear when the Newsweek episode came out <laughs> that he was not from Italy. He wasn't an Italian orphan. <laughs> he was just like a compulsive liar. How many is yeah. that? Oh, uh, I. Uh, it's seventeen. Seventeen. And that was. I'm sure there were more. You know, that was just what I could find quoted in these biographies. Um, he would say it in interviews. Yeah. He would say it to anyone he knew. He kind of, I guess he was kind of a collector of friends and people that could help him, and then he would discard them. And I don't know if that uh-huh. goes, goes hand in hand with being a pathological liar. But, <laughs> uh, Interesting. And he this also... Is, you know, we, we talk sometimes about the similarities, like how, how our two guys are, you know, related, even though they don't, on the surface, seem that related. Yeah. But they both were self-mythologizing, mm-hmm. like crazy go-nuts. Mm-hmm. From the start. Both go as far as to like make up all these stories about his origin, to my knowledge. Yeah. But he certainly made up all kinds of stuff. His usually was more about the future, but all the stuff he was going to be doing that, and it caught him on a whim or something. And yeah, and I it was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what it was about, but literally, like literally, everyone that knew him back in those days said we had no idea where he was from or where he came from or what his uh-huh. deal, what his deal was. We ne- we did, couldn't believe anything he ever said, basically, except he was like talented. That's all that uh-huh. people knew. Uh, all right. Okay. Nice one, oh wait, I got three more things for you. Uh, okay, go. He he, not only said he was from these places, but he had three very particular professions that he said that he had worked before he became a musician. One the is there's if there's thunder showing up in the podcast. There's some pretty loud thunder going around. You know, oh, I don't right hear I don't hear it, but that's that's okay. awesome. All right, way to go. Uh, he was a farmhand. He slopped ponies. He said. Okay. He was uh, in the carnival. He played music and was also, like, I don't know, took the tents up and down or something. And then okay. my, my favorite, and he definitely had a thing with this form of transportation throughout his early life. Motorcycle racer. Said he raced them motorcycle motorcycles. Racer. That's right. So watch out for Bob racing his motorcycle down well, your street. Well, he got in that bad motorcycle accident later on, right? Yeah. That's a controversy as to whether that was bad or not. But it definitely happened. Uh-huh. <laughs> Speaking of self-mythologizing, I think uh-huh. it's time for you to tell us about David Bowie in 2010. That's not self-mythologizing. That's Bowie and self-mythologizing. Here we go. It took us 15 minutes, but we're getting to 2010. Can I t- Here it comes. Just, 2010, let's down. hit it. Settle down. So 2010 for David Bowie is part of, speaking of bad pun, I'm going to add my own bad pun to the heaping, stinking pile that's already accumulated during this podcast. I can't wait. With... This is a part of the period we've mentioned before. It's part of the Davecation years. Yeah. Don't make fun of me. That's a bad pun. Always it's a bad one. I'm, I am not pretending it is a good pun. All right. I never have. I can't say I never will, but I probably never will. <laughs> probably. Anyway, the Davecation years were the years, twenty. They're 2004 through 2012, which is kind of quiet, unexpected period for David Bowie. He had a heart attack in 2004 while on tour. Oh, he never toured yeah. again. He did a couple, like, just one-off performances after that. He didn't release any albums, any studio albums between that period. He started making increasingly few public appearances. When he finally came back in 2013, he refused to do any interviews, uh, do any concerts, do any public appearances, nothing. And so he created this, like, I know, he became this mystery character after all those years of you know, being in the public spotlight just right. decades. And giving so he much of He somehow managed to become mysterious again. People thought he was dying, and like nobody knew what the heck was going on. He was at the very least retired. Nobody knew what was happening. Yeah. 
Anyway, 2010 is deep in those Davecation years. Mm. And the Davecation years, by their nature, are going to be difficult to talk about David Bowie stuff. So I'm always just doing, like, you know, when we get into certain years, there's so much stuff to look at. i got to pick and choose what the best stuff is. Totally. I got into a Davecation year, especially this deep into the Davecation, and uh, there's just almost nothing to talk about. I'm literally finding everything I possibly can that he did during that year that was any kind of public knowledge. Yeah. We don't know everything he was doing because he just didn't. He only made one that I could find one public appearance in 2010, which I'll get to in a second. He did one not, well, semi-interview, which I'll get to in a second. And otherwise, what we do know he's doing is he was uh, he was kind of like a stay-at-home dad during this period for a lot of it. He had a daughter, um, I forget what year, 2000 or 2001. And so it's kind of a late, yeah, a very you know, late life baby for him and his wife. Yeah. Um, yeah. She was born over 30 years after his first child. Wow. So yeah, that's kind of yeah. Sounds like he did a sounds like he did a better job with the second one. Oh yeah, well, and I mean, <laughs> he, he made it up to his first child. Oh good. He was really not, a, and he fully admits it. He was not a good parent for the first several years of his life. He had a son in 1970, and then you know, in the next five years, he slept with everyone in Great Britain and did a wheelbarrow full of cocaine. Yeah. A school bus. Yeah. <laughs> school bus wheelbarrow. or wheelbarrow? It was more than a wheelbarrow. Let's go to more, school bus. More than a wheelbarrow. A, a blue whale full of cocaine. That's a I lot. Um, he didn't. He wasn't doing any of that stuff in the 2000s. He was healthy. He was, you know, going for walks. Apparently, he used to go for walks around New York because he really liked just going for walks around New York City, where he lived. But he did not like being recognized. Sure. So his like secret identity, you know, Clark Kent type, type disguise was he would bring a Greek newspaper with him everywhere <laughs> and just hold up and pretend he was like reading it. And so people would think, you know, look at him and go like, oh, that guy looks like David Bowie. He's got a Greek newspaper and that must not be him. He must be from and Greece. Then, so he, he, apparently he did this a lot, it sounds like. And that was, that was his, his secret disguise. I wonder how Greek he, newspaper. I wonder how he landed on Greek newspaper. That's fascinating. I don't know. Maybe, I mean, Maybe there was a Greek news vendor near where he lived or something. I don't know. You could just pick one up on the way out. I don't know. No okay. clue. All right. We so, can't ask him, but okay. In 2010, his one major public appearance was at the CFDA Awards. Okay. I don't know what those... I didn't look up what that <laughs> You don't know what that is? I'm a, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, the CFDA Creative Awards friends. are fashion awards. They're like the Oscars oh. of fashion. Oh. People get really excited about this when they're in the world of fashion. And Bowie's got, like, an interesting relationship to the world of fashion. It like, comes up kind of in and out throughout his career, right down to having married his second wife, Iman, uh-huh, who's a yes. world-famous supermodel. Definitely. Um, so they were there because Iman won the Fashion Icon Award. Oh, yeah, Iman. I know. Woo! Well, she deserved it. I mean, honestly, like, I, I don't know a ton about Iman, but I right. read a, a little bit about her just, of course, in relation to, to old, uh, old D.B., and, uh, and she seems pretty awesome, just yeah. in general, in a variety she of ways. She seems like, like She's doing a lot of really cool things, so good for her. Lots of lots she respect deserved. for her out there. And for her fashion icon award. And she kind of like, I got this up on this interview of her kind of like rubbing it in Bowie's face on camera. <laughs> nice. About how like, she, you know, she's not he's not the only icon in the house anymore, okay? Oh, yeah. She's got this. She's an icon, too. It was good. I think she's definitely So he was there. He was looking pretty good. He was looking fashionable. But he'd moved into a kind of you know a much more understated look and more age appropriate look at this point. Good for him. Like he's the last several years of his life, he was mostly seen most of his public appearances. He's wearing dark suits, uh, button down shirts. His hair. Well, should we just do, we'll do uh, the year in hair right now because it's coming up wow, right now. It's happening. 
Well, it's not that exciting of a year in hair. You know, it's kind of it's kind of slicked back and parted a little bit, but kind of a looser. You know, parted in the middle. Like, no, on the side. Okay, good. I think good, on the good. side. Yeah, I don't think not in the middle. But you know, kind of, it just looks like a a well-to-do, fairly, you know, he could be like a, a James Bond type. Sure. You know, you know, when the James like like a latter day Pierce Brosnan type, where you know the guy's obviously in his fifties, but uh, he's still looking pretty good. We can all okay. agree on it. Yeah, let's agree on yeah. it right now. He's yeah. Like, he's so like, I mean, that's a solid great. probably like four on my wow, made up four. scale for his hair. <laughs> it's a pretty good one. I feel like this and is yeah, a shifting he's, scale. He's wearing scarves and stuff. I think he wore a scarf to that. You know, scarf. He's looking fashionable, but understated. He's not. He's not there to get all the glory at this fashion award. It's, it's about him on. Hey, I have a uh, I have an acronym for CFDA for you as well. I just all right, go. It. Yeah, it's, let's hear it. I think what it should be called is the Creative Friends District Association. What do you think of that? Yeah, I I think that's probably definitely what it that's is. That's it. I'm Nailed just, it. I'm just gonna make. I'm just gonna assume that that's what it is. Yep. Until I look it up right now and find it, it's the Council of Fashion Designers of America. Yep. Which Nailed makes, it. Makes a little bit more sense. I think they Only were creative and friends though. Just slightly. So. All right, next thing of note that yeah. happened in this year was he did do an interview of sorts. It's all I could find. I don't know if there's other stuff out there. This is all I could find. But he did a, a short interview-ish, not like an article thing, with The Guardian. They asked for a playlist for what he was listening to. Oh, What's it called here? Spicy. What's on David Bowie's iPod? <laughs> That's definitely a 2010 said, thing to say. I've the songs I've been playing the most over the last month. Here they are in no particular order. So we won't go through all of them. They're super obscure, mm-hmm. super crazy and interesting, going deep in all kinds of different directions. Uh, I probably, there's, I think there's 15 songs. I probably heard of only like five of the oh, artists. Oh, wow. Like heard of so them. So that was, yeah, even heard of them. I own stuff by, I think, three or four of them. The ones you've heard of. <laughs> right, well, there's a couple I've heard of that, oh, maybe probably more than five. Maybe, okay. I'm going to go with up like, like seven or eight of them I've heard of. Okay. I think I own... Stuff from three of them. I own stuff okay. from Godspeed You Black Emperor. Yep. Who I love. I know you do. Uh, Steve Reich, who yep. I love. We both love. And Rufus Wainwright, who I like. I don't love Rufus Wainwright. But I, I like love Rufus Wainwright. two of his albums, and I like the rest of them. Okay. Okay. And Where there's all go. kinds of other people. But there's he's going deep into Rita Directions. There's like there's, uh, there's some post-rock on there. Like a pretty black camper. Uh-huh. There's some early blues and jazz. Yeah. There's some African music, and there's a surprising amount of Chinese folk music, Chinese which apparently he was really into. He says in one of his little notes about because he does wrote a little note when he was talking. Yeah, of course. So I, uh, I I compiled these all together into a YouTube playlist to, to give a listen to. I was able to find 14 out of the 15 actual songs. The 15th one, I found a different song by the same group, some group called Box Harp, which I've never heard of. Okay. Nope. <laughs> so, I don't know, maybe we'll have to share this out or something. I don't yeah, know. why not? I, I listen, I'm going to listen. It's very interesting playlist. It's really good. I only found this, like, late last night, so I've not gotten to listen to all of it yet, but it's been interesting so far. It also strikes me that that whole, you know, the, the article devoted to somebody's iPod playlist. Oh, yeah. Like, soon that's going to be as antiquated to hear as, you know, oh, I put these half-inch 78s on my gramophone the other day. <laughs> True. You know, I just the word iPod. <laughs> if I wasn't pretty sure that most of our listeners are middle aged, yeah, uh, we we love so iPods. Fans, I would think that there would be people listening who didn't even know what an iPod was. iPod was. Yeah, but or that I it was like probably, some. I think that's probably not true for our key demographic. Probably not. We we're all but, you know, we're all nursing our iPod addiction. 
many well, low these I many mean, years later. Uh, you know, you know, it's it's up there with my gigantic CD collection. You know, I see a roll with it. Love All it. right, so let's dig in a little bit more to what he came out in 2010 because he did have a couple major releases in 2010 in spite of the fact that he wasn't doing anything he wasn't releasing music or anything Ooh. the thing is he uh he had some notable live releases coming out during the day of vacation every year between 2003 and 2010 mm-hmm. he had at least one major live release okay archival. well that's Point something and almost all of them there's a couple earlier ones they're not archival. um and they range from reissues of previous albums there are archival live albums, and there are a couple of live DVDs. One okay. of them was new, one of them wasn't. So there's there's a couple, there's what, different stuff going on there. And in 2010, he actually managed two live releases. And I'm going to talk about them. The first one <laughs> was the live album, just album version of a reality tour, which was his final tour yeah. in 2003-2004. We talked about this when we did 2004, yes, and in 2004 did. he released the video version of this. Oh, which I we just see. gave a little like point to it, but more points are available for an album when it comes right. to our particular thinking. Um, it's a good tour. He was healthy and like smiling and stuff, and running around the stage and not smoking and stuff, and people just kind of liked it. He was just like a generally likable, affable man at that time, which wasn't always the case. Of course, um, it was his longest tour, his biggest tour. He played variety. We did some of his longest shows. Uh, the live album has 35 tracks on it. Wow. Like it, yeah, That's a lot. it's a big, it's a big beast of an album. Um, but it's good. It's solid. We talked a little more about that later on. There's not a lot else to say about this, except it's from, you know, it was recorded in 2003. And I just want to check, this is not reality or the reality. This is just a reality, right? A reality, which is a very, you know. Oh, yes. Interesting artistic point, I'm sure, mm. on his part. No. Uh, the other thing is, and I'll get to the live album in a section, but a second. But Bowie has got a complicated relationship with deluxe editions oh. of his previous albums. Do tell. He's got some some uh, some deluxe editions out there. Two of them came out in 2010. Okay. Um, but he's there was never a like really fantastic, complete reissue campaign of even his most famous albums, you know, his most famous albums being his second through 13th albums. There are deluxe editions exist of his first, second, fifth, sixth, eighth, tenth, (laughs) 20th, 22nd, 23rd, 24th, 25th, 26th, and 27th albums, not his 28th, which was his final album. Yeah, that's coming. No one knows why. Why? I don't know why. (laughs) Ask again, Why? Well, and there's so many classic albums that have never gotten it. Like, Hunky Dory never got a deluxe edition. What? Aladdin Sane. No, Aladdin Sane did get one. <laughs> uh, but still. Insane. Like, Young Americans never got a true multi-disc deluxe edition. The entire <laughs> Berlin trilogy and Scary Monsters and Super... Like, none of those. That's bizarre. Plus Dance didn't even, which I wouldn't really want, but, you know. Anyway. So, there came out in 2010 deluxe editions of his first album. Okay. Also called David Bowie. Yep. His first of the two albums that he called David Bowie. <laughs> yep. And uh, and his tenth album, Station to Station. Okay. So David Bowie, the album, which we've not, talked it's about. Not super excited. We talked about well. We talked about we the album. Done, we haven't done sixty-seven. Station to station, though. We talked. Station to station. We talked about yes. 
I was doing David Bowie first, the first one. Oh, sorry. It was confusing, because I said the name of the album, but it was also just the name of but the guy who I'm talking about. <laughs> so the deluxe edition there, we got a, we got a, it originally came out, because it's 67, that kind of late 60s time period. It came out on stereo and on mono. Oh, yeah. We're still in that kind of transition that a lot of people forget about, that stereo was still pretty new and fancy, and albums were mixed into two different versions. So it came with both of those on one disc, because it's a short album, that was no problem. It's on CDs only. And a bonus disc with B-sides, non-album singles. Mm, or, tasty. Yeah. Semi-unreleased stuff, BBC sessions, not a super deep cuts, but there's a few, you know, there's a few choice new things that were never been shown before. So, yeah, there you go. Okay, all right. Station to Station was a little bigger animal. Yeah. Uh, it's one of his best albums. I usually consider it about my third favorite of his albums, okay. I think. It, it's a monster of a fantastic album. That's the thing the is about doing about. some big, this one had, a, had two different versions, one of which was gigantic. It's his only true super deluxe edition, I would say, is Station Ooh. Station. Do you have it? All the other ones are in, I don't, well, we'll get to just a second. Okay. Uh, the other ones are only like two disc editions, the other one bonus disc, which is fine and all, but it's not the big super deluxe mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. So it came out in editions, the special edition, which was just three discs, Featuring the remastered album and a brand new, never before released live album that's just frequently bootlegged but never before released, called Live Nassau Coliseum '76. Yeah, which is not in the Bahamas. Okay. (laughs) I mean, Nassau. You know, I I assumed for years that this was recorded in the Bahamas, but it was not. Okay. Nassau Coliseum is in the New York State somewhere. Oh, so there you go. Okay, I think I knew that. Uh, So that was the edition I got. It was three discs. There's no. There are no B-sides or anything from Station to Station. There's no demos known. There's no other, no nothing else has ever been released or ever huh. been even leaked around that album. And then we had the Deluxe Edition. Okay. Which came with five CDs, oh. one DVD, and three LPs. Dang! And other stuff. That is a super deluxe. But let's listen to what's on this really quick, Jake. This is, uh... I'm listening. This <laughs> set is just... <laughs> the epitome of I don't know hubris and <laughs> I, the five CDs came with a 2010 remaster oh love the original it. Night, well I mean it was 2010 so it was okay okay like they remastered the album that was that was worth okay it. you were okay it also that. came with the 1985 remaster oh one CD was entirely made up of single edits because five out of the six tracks <laughs> were released at singles as singles at some point and all of them got single edits great and then uh, the live album came out on the fourth and fifth disc. Oh man, that's moving junk. over to the DVD. That's junk. <laughs> we have the original master shows up on the DVD. Okay. Along with a brand new full album remix. Oh no. In three different surround sound versions. Oh no. Who's gonna oh, yes. Who's gonna like really listen to? Then three? we have the three LPs. <laughs> Which had the exact same 2010 remaster, which on the CD, CD, and the exact same live album. Oh, no. And that was that's one of those things. I think they kind of stopped doing that now. But that whole, like, duplicating, let's get the exact same album on CD and on record at the same yeah. time. And maybe there'll be a digital coupon in there, too. Why yeah. does anyone need that? I don't... And why are we listening to three different surround sound mixes? Who... Who is doing that and like really paying well, I attention? Well, I can't tell. There's three. There's one remix. I can't tell if it's like set up for different types of surround sound or, or what this actually means. It, well, is but it, it like to three separate? So I don't. I think it's the same mix in different. I don't know. I don't know, Jake. I don't know. I mean, what difference could it possibly make to like your average consumer? It would make yeah. no difference whatsoever. Yeah, I don't know. 
So then, along with that, we have no outtakes, no oh, demos, I feel no bad. B-sides, no additional terrible. tracks, aside from this live album, which is well worth it. Oh, yikes. But then there's all kinds of swag. It was oh. packed to the brim with some pretty sweet-looking Super swag. Super deluxe culture swag. 24-page booklet, yes. replica collectibles folder. Ah. Like backstage, Stickers? Replica backstage passes and stuff like that. Stickers? A replica fan club folder from the time with pins and stickers yes. and all kinds of stuff like that. Stickers. A poster. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at a picture of all this swag right now, and I want it. Of course you <laughs> I mean, I don't... Retroactively, I, you, know, like, you are I want, in. I want the swag. <laughs> I the know, I love swag. Swag. Oh, man, so much swag. <laughs> anyway, I don't remember what it cost when it came out. It was like $250 or something, so of course I didn't buy it. I Holy bought the, uh, the three-disc edition, which had the same amount of music, really, right. as the other one. Right. For like $30, and it was well worth it. I just, well, well worth it. I'm just wondering, like, if when you're sitting around in your your super dope surround sound system, are you hoping, uh-huh. and like, do you kick yourself that you're not listening to three different surround sound mixes of station to station? Well, I don't have a super dope surround sound system, so... I mean, I, no. I think we all know that you do, so I don't know why you're saying that you don't, and you're, you're missing out, man. You're missing out. <laughs> uh, when I go down to the listening room... <laughs> I, have yeah. my, I have my butler unlock the listening room for yeah. me and dust down the fridge. Here. Jeeves, Jeeves, your butler. Jeeves, so I could uh, listen to three different remix versions on three different surround sound systems. Oh of, yeah, uh, of admittedly one of my favorite albums. So do you have like so. a do you have like an electric chair that moves you from room to room so you can listen to song by song? No, I just have Jeeves pick me up and move oh, me. Oh, Jeeves picks you up. That's, oh well, I mean, I that's thought it would smart. be electric, but you know. Like, don't mess with classics, you know? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Jeeves is so broke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that is what... That, that <laughs> was a, uh, a deluxe edition right there, Jake. It's just so like deluxe. It's the epitome of hubris. It is. Wow, that is... I mean, it's... I don't even know what to say. It's dripping with hubris. Does, does, does Dylan have uh, deluxe editions of any of his albums? He does not. He doesn't. Nope. That's interesting. Not a one. And I kind of like. I kind of like his release strategy, whether or not it's his decision or somebody else. It's well, gotta be partly him. Are you done with just tw- the albums? Are the albums, and then all these bootleg series? I kind of like yeah. that. Well, bootlegs have new stuff that's not been officially released before. I generally, I generally agree with you. But um, yeah. is it my turn to talk about 2010? Because I have a related topic. Uh, well, let me say the one last thing I have. All right, hit it. The like one sentence thing is the only other thing I know that he did in 2010 is he began recording sessions mm-hmm. for his 2013 album the mm. next day way to go Bowie it's probably just demos at that point way to do one far, thing during the day by far the longest occasion. he ever spent recording an album yeah but that happened in 2010 alright let's transition it on over and hear about deluxe editions and All right. like stuff with well, Dylan go, go. You, are, you are correct that Dylan does not have deluxe editions um, if you'll recall he ended up writing his quote-unquote extreme, air quotes, memoir, Chronicles <laughs> Volume 1, because he yeah. started writing liner notes for remastered versions of three of okay. his albums. And Dylan, while he does not have deluxe version controversy, he has remastered yeah. version controversy. Oh, well, don't we? Don't they all? At this age. I guess they do, but I don't know why this Bowie's is so stinking oh, hard. Got it real, real nice. Just, Tapping right now with the, with the new Bowie reissue box sets. 
Oh yeah, oh yeah. You go have on the, some... go on the Steve Hoffman forums. Oh yeah. Jake, oh, you, just... those guys are spitting fire about that over there. Just have your throat still mad. by by hardcore <laughs> audiophiles. They're still which mad. Which I'm not, and which I I work hard to not be an audiophile. I don't want to be because I can't afford it. No. And it's just gonna be one more thing for me to get stressed about. So I'm just gonna leave my I'm, I'm cherishing my ignorance of high levels, high top levels, and yeah. too much bass and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just listening to music I like. That's where I want to be. That's great, and but at the same time, you can appreciate a remastered version. Of it's true, I can. If it's I can, good. I can appreciate a, a remaster versus like a four. Yeah, I can tell sometimes. My problem with the uh, the Dylan discography is amongst the you know dozens and dozens of albums that he's made. Like it's yeah. very spotty as to what has been remastered in a satisfactory way. Okay. I mean, all of these things, um, all the classic rock stuff was. You know, transferred to a digital format when they released CDs in the mid to late yeah. 80s. But those don't, that doesn't mean that it sounds good. That means that, that right. often means that it sounds bad. They didn't do any remastering to it. Um, and then sometime in the 2000s or probably the late 90s, some artists started to, you know, systematically release their, their, uh, their albums in truly remastered form. Like they got somebody yeah, in yeah. there that knew what they were doing. You know, boost the levels, make it sound good on CD because they sounded so good on vinyl. That doesn't yeah. necessarily mean it sounds good on CD. Um, so Bob's is very scattered and mixed, and that was one of my main issues with the giant uh, album box set from 2013, the yeah. the collected albums, Volume One or whatever they called it, is that you know only a handful of those things were actually remastered. And they, oh, I thought they, they made it sound like they all were in that. Yeah, I think they tried to make it sound that way, but that is not true yeah, at all. Okay. <laughs> so he has a handful, you know, throughout his career of truly remastered versions, including like Blood on the Tracks, I think, and and a couple others. However, in 2010, and this is where we're just tying this in a nice bow, Chaz. Today. Oh, so nice. Oh, I love it when this happens. He released his first <laughs> serendipity, Jake. <laughs> serendipity. That's what it's called. That's what I should have called my segment. Serendipity. Serendilinity. Serendilinity. <laughs> I'm changing the name. That's it. I kind of like that part, actually. I'm changing the name. <laughs> uh, Sony or Columbia, whoever owns his recordings now, um, released the mono recordings. And this goes back to yeah. what you were talking about in the 60s, especially. Mostly in the 60s. Uh, this yeah, goes for the Beatles and everybody. Uh, mono was the predominant form. Um, that's yeah. where the same sound comes out of each speaker. Um, yeah. But they were developing stereo mixes, which was kind of a novelty at the time, where a different instrumentation and production comes out right. of each speaker. Well, some artists really got into this. Like, the Beatles are kind of famous for... Totally. For spending a lot of time on making very like, right. important different mixes for the, for the two formats. That's right. And their Super Deluxe editions now are just, like, larded with different mixes and stereo <laughs> and mono and... Whatever else. Um, the, I thought they only had Sergeant Pepper. Is that the only one? I think that is the only one now. They did. Um, what I'm thinking out. of is by the time this podcast is actually live, it might be announced. I think it's. I, I heard rumors of the White Album. It's yeah, that'll be a big deal. That, if would that make happens. Sense. Uh, what they have done is released vinyl. They've released vinyl box sets, all in mono or all in stereo. Yeah. Or the U.S. albums in mono, like. All these different ways to get you to buy more records, I guess, which are yeah. prohibitively expensive in the Beatles' case. Anywho, Dylan released on vinyl and on CD the mono recordings, which were his first eight albums. Okay. Uh, all of them 
in this case, were meant to be recorded and released in mono. Okay. And somewhere along the way, like when they got transferred to CD, you know, they ended up being in stereo and yeah, uh, yeah, and stuff like that. So yeah. um, he released that. That's a box set that I actually own. This is, you own that one, right? I do. I was very interested in having good recordings of his first classic eight albums. That yeah. was uh, from a lot Bob, of good albums Bob Dylan, self-titled, all the way through John Wesley Harding, which was in 1968. His okay. first yeah, comeback album. Yeah, pretty classic album. run there. Yeah, not too shabby. The trilogy's in there, obviously. Yeah. I uh, just get to stare at Bob's face on all the CDs, you know, the CD covers. <laughs> oh, Kids a it. good night occasionally when no one's looking. <laughs> no, they can see. No, nobody in this family... <laughs> Is uh you know blind to my love of Bob? This is not a surprise to anybody. No, I just bought that a couple years ago though. I was not on top of that. I didn't know about the controversy then. I was still trying to collect all of his you know his albums, no matter how terrible they were. Yeah. So so. besides that, Bob, um, Bob did. It's time to go. You know, deep now. Bob didn't do much of anything in 2010. This is by far his slowest year. Of course, he he played for the Neverending Tour. It was still never ending. He played that from... Still, it also did not end. <laughs> it did not end in 2010. Uh, from March to November, he played 102 dates all around the Whew. world. Yeah. And that's he... 102 dates more than David Bowie in <laughs> That's a full 100% more. Um, <laughs> he performed at the White House for then-President uh, Barack Obama. Nice. And Michelle Obama. They were, quote, honoring the music of the Civil Rights Era. So Bob played, and Joan Baez was there. I'm assuming... Did every Bob t- play any of his songs from the Civil Rights era? Yeah, I think he played Blowing in the Wind and a couple oh, others. Oh, okay. Yeah, he wasn't like... That strikes ah, me as something he would refuse to do. I just put out Christmas in the heart. Here's a couple. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been amazing, oh, by yeah, the way. That would have been so happy. I would have given, him an, extra t- July, I given <laughs> him an extra 10 points if he had done that. <laughs> he would have earned it. <laughs> Absolutely. Now he towed the line. He towed the line. I'm always assuming whenever he sees Joan Baez in public that they have like a really awkward moment where they kind of stare at each other and wonder what might have been. That's what I always think. Or actually, Joan Baez is like, "We should have gotten married," and Bob's like, "Ah, I gotta go. I gotta go." That's I gotta just... tend to my other secret family. <laughs> exactly. Can I? I got other families to tend to. Um, and then the literally the only other thing that happened is um, a very interesting interview that Joni Mitchell gave. Okay. Lead to the Los Angeles Times. Uh, Joni Mitchell, a very well-respected, very famous singer-songwriter. Um, yeah. Primarily from the 70s. Blue is her um, very famous album. Yeah. And uh, probably, like, one of those albums from the 70s that is always in the top ten, along with Low and along with Blood on the Tracks. Like, she was, she was hot fire back then. Had a yeah, she sure was. Great career, um, but she was giving an otherwise sort of anodyne, weird interview with the Los Angeles Times. Now, I just need to I just need to mention why she was giving this interview, um, so you can hear how ridiculous it is, and then you can hear how weird it is that she said what she said. Okay. So she was doing a joint interview with a man named John Kelly, who was a renowned Obie Award-winning actor performance artist. Do you have an Obie Award, Jess? Oh, six or seven of them. Six or seven, okay. I think that they give them out to actors or performance artists. You're you're both of those things. Um, (laughs) Now, this John Kelly, he uh, he performed Mitchell's work on some sort of tour, 
Okay. And he has, quote, an elastic voice and um, androgynous features. So I assume he did Bowie at some point. Well, he has to. You so know, he's there's a, no, you have no choice. You don't even get to choose. Right. If you have an elastic voice and androgynous features. Yeah. And you're... Within the first two years of your... You have to be doing something you got to do a Bowie. So apparently yeah. this guy, like, morphed pretty convincingly into different historical figures. Okay. Like Joni Mitchell. And I just got to... If he didn't do David Bowie, or he hasn't yet, John Kelly, get on that. Yeah, come on, John Kelly. If you're so, listening out there right now... LA Times Let is, us know. Email us at... <laughs> yeah. Bully versus Dylan at gmail.com. Boom, do Send it. Send us a video of you as uh, as Bowie, and we'll post it somewhere. We'll, we'll link it we'll, we're, for sure. We're prepared to give you more Obie Awards <laughs> right now. We will make we'll make up our own award, and you can be the the first recipient of it. If Absolutely. You send us a video. It's called the. <laughs> I don't even know. I can't think of one right now. We'll have to come up. We'll come up with a really terrible pun that barely makes sense, and that will be the name of the award, and you will get one of those, John Kelly. John Kelly. This much, I swear. It's going to be called the John Kelly Memorial, even though he's probably not dead yet, award <laughs> for androgynous features performance art. <laughs> and elastic voice. And elastic voice. <laughs> so, I mean, this kind of seems like a weird interview to be giving, but all of a sudden... Because Joni Mitchell was, like, aligned with this guy and maybe, I don't know, performing with him or what. Anyway, um, they started talking about her name, and she was Joni Anderson, if I'm not mistaken, before she got married to, like, an abusive guy named Mitchell. Okay. Okay. But she got famous as Joni Mitchell, so once they got Didn't divorced... Didn't that just kind of suck, you know? I, yeah. I think I've thought of this before. I can't remember what actress I was thinking about recently. Who was in one of those situations? But her name was so famous that she couldn't change it. Right. Even though she wanted to, famous name. She stuck with this guy's name forever. She wanted to escape this abusive, terrible relationship. Well, Joni Mitchell was in that was in that very same situation, and so this reporter was asking her, or you know, sort of opining to her, like, "Oh, you know, many artists have changed their names um, to reflect something different about themselves, such as Bob Dylan." And this is what Joni Mitchell says in response to that question. This is a quote: Uh "Bob is not authentic at all." He's a plagiarist, and his name and voice are fake. Everything about Bob is a deception. We are like night and day, he and I. <laughs> Whoa. Is that a burn or what? <laughs> like, that just, that was, that was fresh, you know, that. Yeah. She was thinking about that. That's she like thought to, making to the wound. How much she doesn't like Bob That's like making a wound and then throwing salt in it right away. That's but, like, I mean, in, given her 70s career, she <laughs> was certainly influenced by him. Well, that's the say. thing. Everyone, um, she enraged like literally millions of Dylan's fans with her um, with her her comments, and then they were all like, "Well, you have performed his work for decades," and et cetera, et cetera. Uh-huh. And I don't know if she was just feeling salty that day or what. Um, it took her about three years to sort of set the record straight, even though she still has sick burns for him. This was in 2013. <laughs> With um, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. She's Canadian, just like every great musician, okay. besides Bob Dylan and David Bowie. <laughs> uh, she says, quote... And John I, Kelly. <laughs> we don't know if he's not Canadian. What if the Obies That's are true. Canadian, bro? Quote... That does sound like a, that does sound like a Canadian award. Hey, here's your Obie. <laughs> Oi, a oh. Quote... <laughs> <laughs> I, they're just I, really wishing they had a CFDA award. That they're wishing right now. I think I just received all an, of them. I received one. an OB for my portrayal of the OB award. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, she says, quote, I hate doing interviews with stupid people, and this guy's a moron. I like a lot of Bob's songs, though musically he's not very gifted. He's borrowed his voice from old hillbillies. He's got a lot of borrowed things. He's not a great guitar player. He's invented a character to deliver his songs. Sometimes I wish I could have that character, because you can do things with that character. It's a mask of sorts. So Which that was lead us straight back into David Bowie. That was her mask of characters, you know. Yeah, but that was her apology. That didn't it's sound all... like an. It <laughs> didn't apology. sound like an apology. It worse. <laughs> it was more like she she like specifically like, named I'm, things I'm she didn't sorry like you about got it. Mad about what I said. That was the apology. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're mad. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Here's some specific things that I don't like about Bob Dylan. <laughs> I'm sorry you're mad, but you get mad really easily and you have bad taste. So. Hey man, she's entitled. To, she's entitled to her opinion, but I was like fanning myself when I read that quote. That's just like that first one is just—it's like a thud. It's like raw. He's uh-huh. a plagiarist, and his name and voice are fake. Everything about Bob is a deception. <laughs> so Bob got raked over the—he got—he got burnt in 2010, and that's—that's uh-huh. that's literally all I have for 2010. So. Uh, uh. I was I was thinking about the Obi Award because it was starting to sound kind of familiar. <laughs> is it? I was thinking it was a theater award, and so I had to look it up here. And it is indeed a theater award. Oh right. So I, I feel like it's it's for off Broadway productions. Oh, so it's like Broadway. the Tony Awards, which I didn't realize the Tony Awards are only for Broadway productions. I did not know the that. Obie Awards are for off Broadway and off off Broadway productions. Well, and off off off. Broadway productions. Well, no, let's not go. Let's not get out of hand here. Jake. Whoa, slow down. Nobody so, said anything about off, off, off Broadway productions. So you're saying so that the article clearly only mentions off Broadway and off, off Broadway. So if you're saying that we can somehow convince the OB Awards that this podcast is a performance art, off, 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 off Broadway, they won't give us an OB Award. No, we're not eligible. John Kelly is also not showing up. On this list of winners. Uh oh. But uh, I mean, he says he was. It says something. he was renowned. Does that matter? <laughs> well, Kelly's not showing up. There's no. No Kelly. I'm not. I'm not I mean, maybe it's this is a different possible stellings and stuff. You know, I'm not discounting it entirely, but maybe it was only 2010, for. There's no. There's no mention of him in 2010 or 2009. Well, maybe he won his Obies earlier. It just says that he's an Obie Award winning actor performance artist. Okay, I'm. Mean, I'm just. I came up with a couple different spellings of Kelly, and it's not showing. That's all I'm saying. It's John, so John I don't Kelly. Know. I don't know. Listen, I'm all for trash. Oh, wait, wait, I'm sorry. Hold on. <laughs> yes, up. I knew it. Wait, no, there's recipients down here. Because oh. I was noticing that the list I was looking at was actually the presenters, which would not be right. But I still just did a straight-up search of the page, and it's not shown up. I'd say if you win an Obi, you can totally present an Obi later. Well, I would think so. Are there any bad puns to be had with Obi Wan Kenobi? I'm sure there are, right? They're below. They're beneath us, Jake. Even mm, us. No, nope. we wouldn't. We wouldn't even go there. Not me. All right, let's rack up some points here. I and, wish. I wish we would. This, and keep this uh, podcast under an hour. We can do it. We can do it. We only got all right. Ten minutes left. Points. Points. Well, we did pretty well actually because of all these archival releases. Yeah. So. That's fine. We got three different things to to rack up. And the first one is the reality tour live album. All reality. Reality tour record, recorded in two thousand three, released on video on DVD in two thousand four. Not released as audio only until twenty ten. 
Uh, for those at home who are not aware, our point system is complicated. It doesn't make any sense to anyone except for us, and, and sometimes it, not even us. And it makes tremendous sense to us. It does make tremendous sense to us. <laughs> the basic we usually idea agree. behind it is, depending on what the type of thing is, more points are possible. Mm-hmm. And if they did really bad, they can get negative points. Yeah. That's the basic you can do thing that. there. So Rally Tour, it's a live album. It has a, high, a possible high of three points, a possible low of negative three I'm giving a reality tour a two. It's good. Okay. It's solid. Okay. No, no, nothing to complain about there. All right. A plus Next two. up is the David Bowie Deluxe Edition. Yeah. Of uh, the David Bowie, this will be his 1967 album called David Bowie, not his 1969 album, also called David Bowie. So confusing, David Bowie. Let's not do that. Uh, this guy brings some new stuff in there, but it's not like completely revelatory. I, it's it's decent. There's some brand new stuff in there. Having the mono mix on there, I think that may be the first time the mono mix was ever released on CD. I'm giving it half a point. Point five. It's worth a little something there. All right. That had a possibility of ne- negative one to one. Finally, with the Station to Station Deluxe, because of the fact that the only new material on there <laughs> is a complete new live album, I'm rating it as the live rating the live album and not rating the, the actual Deluxe All right. edition. Uh, so, this live album is so smoking hot, Jake. Mm. Let me tell you. It's mm-hmm. the 1976 uh, Isler Tour. It's the Isler 1 Tour, not the yeah. Isler 2 Tour. Don't get them confused. No one knows what that word means. Nobody knows. I don't think Bowie even knew. Bowie. Um, I'm going to go out and say that this is my favorite David Bowie live album. Whoa. I, just love, I love it. I just love it. It's love so it. smoking hot. <laughs> Great. Uh, it's got a lot of stuff of Station Station, which is one of my favorite Bowie albums. Yep, he's, uh, he's bringing in some Ziggy Stardust stuff in there. It's all kind of like made over and it's more soul style that he was doing at the time. But uh, he's got a hot band there. It's a good show. Uh, I want to make one just interesting little note about this show. Mm-hmm. There's a little controversy on the Steve Hoffman forums. Uh-oh. And probably the like. Nitpicking. Because the song Panic in Detroit, which is on Aladdin Sane, yeah. is on there. And they edited it significantly for the actual release. Hmm. Um, and so they edited it down. The original version from the concert is 13 minutes long. Oh. Which is crazy. Dylan-esque. They, they released a six-minute version on the live album. Still Dylan-esque. What they cut out of it, Jake, they did release the 13-minute version came out as a digital bonus track for the album. <laughs> we bought it digitally. Yeah. But it's the only place it's ever available. The 13-minute long version, Jake, has an eight-and-a-half-minute-long drum solo. <laughs> Great. <laughs> it's so much drum solo. <laughs> All they really did was cut seven minutes of the drum solo. And yet, we're, there's still, we're upset. There's still a minute-and-a-half of drum solo, which is still a lot of drum solo. Wow. I had to, in preparation for this show, I listened to the full, found the full 13-minute-long version on YouTube. Yeah. And listened to that sucker. Did you fall asleep? And that is a lot of drum solo. Like... You can kind of feel the audience fading. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, at first they're starting out, they're like, Yeah, that guy's ripping it up on the drums! Look at him go! (laughs) And then, you know, three more minutes, four minutes in, and they're kind of like (laughs) checking their watches, you know, making out in the back and stuff. Somebody's lighting up a doobie and passing it around, you know. Well, they were doing that anyway. You know, they know the show's not done, the guy's still up there. But he's just like wheeling and everything. And not, I'm not saying he's a bad He's an awesome drummer and sure. an awesome drum solo. It just goes on so long. Yeah, a little too long. At one point towards the end, which was pretty sweet, he started beatboxing <laughs> over himself drumming. <laughs> he was beatboxing while drumming. It was pretty, that part was pretty awesome. I don't mind telling you, Jake. He's like, oh, oi, I'm losing him. Here comes the beatbox. <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> it was really something. It was really. The drummer's name is Dennis Davis. You got to give a little credit to D-D, old Dennis Davis. Double D. Because he's a good he's a good drummer, and he was drumming with uh, with Bowie from. I think it was Station to Station through Scary Monsters. So that's like my favorite run of five studio albums. Can I ask a quick question? Again. Yeah, go. So on this Isolure tour, did people come to expect Double D to hit up that massive drum solo? I don't know. I don't I have no idea. Because during like before. during like Led Zeppelin shows, everyone knew yeah. Bonham was getting like fourteen minutes of a drum solo at some point. <laughs> because because Robert Plant and uh, Jimmy Page would go and change their costumes and drink and do a bunch of drugs, and they would come back and the drum solo was still going. <laughs> I wonder if that's what Bowie was doing. Yeah, oh, he probably. Wasn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't doing costumes on this one. He was probably drinking and doing blow, though. Like, he, did, he did different stuff you know, for costumes earlier on, but he was not... This is not a costume-changing uh, show. Yeah, but he needed to get, a, get himself a fresh bump or two, I would imagine. What? <laughs> I don't, I, you know what I mean? Don't even know what you actually meant there. Come on, little 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 white horse, little uh, yeah, okay, he little, was definitely little doing nose that. nose this, candy. This close to his worst, yeah. He was definitely he had to powder his nose right a stage. little bit. He probably didn't even care. He well, cleaned yeah. up after that tour. Well, he, that was, he was right after up. this. He finally was like, "He's like, die or going he's like, oh man, that up. drummer, he went too long." <laughs> so I'm giving that live album because it's so smoking hot. Yeah. I'm giving it a two and a half out of, out of the possible three. Gee whiz. It's going even higher. It's a good one. So we have a five Come in on. a Dave Cation year. That's Unheard ridiculous. Of. Probably the only Dave Cation year you'll actually win. Well, All right, truck out your, your one <laughs> well, Oh, you might have two. You might have two. I have, I have nothing. I have, a, I have a tour which, you know, included a stop at the White House for an actually good president. Not to, you know, politicize. Okay, well, let's, not, let's not get too political here. We don't Jay. have to get too political. I just wish, I just want everyone to know that I wish, you know, Barack Obama and Bob Dylan were invited back to the White House to stay for a little while. <laughs> That's all I want anyone to know. <laughs> Bob Dylan for president. <laughs> Well, that I don't want, but he can he can be the house <laughs> musician. Be president. He can be the house musician. There we go. Now we're talking. Yeah, he just sit around and like sing old folk songs and stuff. <laughs> Barack will be so happy again. It'll be great. Uh, and so, I mean, he performed at the White House. He did his normal thing out on the road. I didn't I didn't catch any wind of like truly legendary shows. There was no, like, Woodstock yeah. or anything like that. So I'm going to give it a plus .5. Okay. And um, here comes the exhausting part for you, Chaz. That's it. <laughs> That's all I got. What about that mono box set? Did that come out in it has, it, has no, it? it has no new material on it. Oh, okay. It's just the albums. I mean, I'd be glad to give it a point because it's wonderful, but... I don't know. We've been, we, we were ready to give... I don't know. We were haven't we? talked about any, like, box sets. I know. I was thinking about, like, the current... Bowie box sets, which are not new material, but I feel like are deserved of a point. But aren't they a big deal? Aren't they? Isn't there some unreleased stuff on there at least? Some of them, well, have like new remixes and stuff. There's just really unreleased stuff on there now. Oh, well, I was not aware of that. All right, well, I'll give it a point then. Give it a point. I will, and then uh, that means I win one point five points to your five. Yeah, about that. About that, Jake. (laughs) My math is solid. It's sweet. It's sweet. All right, we are just about in an hour, so let's yeah. wrap things up here, Jake. 58 minutes That's and 30 seconds. That's another sweet Bowie win, a notch in my belt for a Dave Cation year. Yeah, probably not won't be too the only one. We'll see. Not we too shabby. 
were no uh, no bootleg collections in 2010. That's no, really, uh, there was nothing. He didn't have and, and the double live album that that put or not double, but two different live albums put Bowie over the top. Yeah. So next time we're ripping things back to 1978. Mm, mm. Mm. I'm so Good ready to, to no, get on my platform shoes and go I'm, disco I'm dancing. To another, another win in 78. Yeah, you're gonna keep get them, that. Keep on rolling. You're gonna Just get keep that. Keep rolling. Yeah, let's not give it away though. Bob could have. I don't know what he did in '78 besides a, well, tar- a bad album. Not, a bad album not came out. A studio album in '78. Oh, see, so there that, you go. That is the. He always did a live album, but no studio albums. That's where where things actually come a little bit into question. We'll see. There's no question, but we can pretend there is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Let's pretend. All right, and that's about. I feel like it's something. Oh, we were to talk about. Uh-oh. Oh, never mind. Well, Jake, I, I've been talking about this, because in that stunning initial song to each of our episodes, which was written and recorded Oh, uh, yeah. You, I forgot about this. Uh, we talk about, a gl- what, is it going to be a glowy or a killing? Mm-hmm. This was some elaborate pun-based yeah. rating system. This was, my, this was actually my original early pun. Early on in the show, and then kind of a band. I made fun of it on air one time, you and did. I think your feelings were hurt. A little your bit. Your fellow. Yep. And we never really came back to it, and I kind of forgot about it. Yep, me but too. But the song makes no sense without this. <laughs> so the idea yeah. was that uh, if it was a year for Bowie, it'd be Bowie okay, David Blowy year, right? That's it. That's it. You got it. And if it was a bad year, it would be a David Blowy year. <laughs> yeah, which makes me laugh. And uh, if it was a good year for Dylan, it'd be a Bob a killing year. Yeah, because he, he was killing. I came, I came up with that one. That was a good one. And uh, if it was a bad year, it'd be a Bob... Villain. A villain. A Bob a villain. Bob villain. Bad Bob. Bad. Bad Bad Bob, Bad Bob Dylan. So uh, I'm I'm giving this a, a David Glowy. It's David Glowy year. Yeah, and then I thought that you came up with something interesting early on, where it was just a Bowie because it was neither good nor bad. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So despite me getting like plus points, I'm I'm gonna give mine a just a Dylan. Just a Dylan. Well, there yeah. aren't a lot of ne- negative years. I think we've had one negative year in That's all it. of our shows so far. I know, but we have not gone back to the '80s well. More well, we'll have to go back to the 80s again soon. Yeah, we Probably will. it's about time. Yeah. I think our problem is that both of our fellows aged pretty well, you know. They did. After they did. after years of, of badness, they came back for like a significant amount of time. At least being Bowie res- released respected. Black Star, Dylan released Christmas in the Heart. I mean... <laughs> yep. And, and that's... three straight albums of all Frank Sinatra covers, you know. Yeah, we're not talking about that yet. <laughs> not yet. Looking forward to it. Uh, my wife and I listened to that the other night in its entirety. It was triplicate. Yep. Or a different one. We had triple the fun. <laughs> triple it was good three times. Triple the mid-tempo jazz standards. <laughs> <laughs> three times back to back. That's the new gold, Jake. Yep, that's Make nine times. Triplicate, <laughs> triplicated is what I like to call it. <laughs> All right. With that, I'm Charlie, and I like Bowie. Oh, uh, Jake, and I still love Dylan. I uh, have a very Bowie slash Dylan Day and yeah. we'll see you next time alright and by see you I mean talk to you mm. not see you yep bye bye